Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of room in a window, all offered by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, and professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Michael Bauer, Libertarian Brian Lambrick, talk show host Salim Muakil, and nationalist Jennifer Nevins. Our program tonight coming to you from the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 1-800-723-8029. That's our phone number, 1-800-723-8029. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's Bruce Dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo at D-U-M-O. You can join us on the World Wide Web at beyondthebeltway.com. And, of course, uh, you can find the show there uh, if you miss it on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And also on Facebook, Bruce Dumont, Beyond the Beltway, the Facebook page. Look for the guests who are with you tonight and with us tonight. And, again, you can uh, watch the show uh, live every Sunday night on, on Facebook. As I've said frequently, uh, we have a lots to talk about this evening, and, and we do. Um, the biggest story, certainly, of the last uh, day and a half has been the crime scene in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was the synagogue, it was the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh, which shocked America yesterday when 11 people were killed there, shot dead. Uh, It brought out all the the police SWAT teams uh, in the city of Pittsburgh. And what followed next was constant investigation by the FBI. They became involved very quickly as they were looking for clues uh, on, on the shooter and his background. Immediately, people began to gather to pay tribute to the loss uh, in this uh, very uh, important neighborhood, uh, one of the most recognized uh, Jewish communities in the United States, a hallmark of life in Pittsburgh. Uh, memorial services were, were stepped up, um, almost propped up almost immediately, and people from all over the city, Jewish and non-Jews, gathered, uh, including children and uh, grandchildren, uh, to pay tribute to those who lost their lives. A little bit later on in the broadcast, we will reveal the names of the 11 victims, uh, of the shooter, and we will refer to him as the shooter. We're not mentioning any picture, no names tonight. That's the policy of this program, not only for the tragedy in Pittsburgh, uh, but also for what happened uh, with the bomber from South Florida. Again, vigils tonight in Pittsburgh, and I understand there are vigils in the United States, and there's a vigil going on in the federal building just a few blocks from where we do this program. So people are gathering, Jews, Gentiles alike, are gathering to pay tribute to what happened. Tonight, uh, one of the things that comes out of this is uh, you hear uh, media people and you hear political leaders, including the president, crying for a return to civility. Um, We try to do that every Sunday night in this program. We will try to do it tonight and for as long as I'm here to conduct this broadcast. And so I want to begin with Michael Bauer, who's been a frequent guest on this program for a long time. Everybody knows Michael. You had relatives who were lost in the Holocaust. You're on the, the Holocaust Commission for the state of Illinois. My condolences to you on co-chair losses. Of the commission. Co-chair. But, but, but your reaction to what happened, I, I read your Facebook page. I was moved to tears because of what you said to your Facebook friends. But yes. share with the radio audience and TV the audience this evening what this incident in Pittsburgh means to you personally. Well, um, as someone who is Jewish, as someone who is proud of my Jewish identity. Um, 
hearing the news reports yesterday about a killer coming into a synagogue on the Sabbath while Jews were praying and, and killing 11 people because they were Jewish. He was reported saying several times, all Jews must die. Um, this is a horrific act of anti-Semitism. It is reportedly the worst act of anti-Semitism in this, in this country, in the history of this country. It is very, it's almost hard for me to articulate how painful this is. This is, I am someone who is grieving. I'm someone who is sad. And frankly, I'm someone who is very angry that this happens in America in 2018. Jennifer Nevins, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, you are a self-avowed nationalist. You're proud nationalist of that. Nationalist conservative. Nationalist conservative. conservative line t- on there. Tell me a little bit about uh, your reaction to what happened specifically in the Pittsburgh incident. And what, what lessons or what concerns do you have in the wake of that? You know, first of all, obviously, this is just horrific. Uh, how much can I grieve for a community that I'm not a part of? You know, um, but I do as a human, and I think that it is just a horrible thing, and my heart goes out to them. As a student of Holocaust history, and I mean that, and that uh, I'm degreed in that one of those areas, um, it it's horrific, and it does harken back to the past, and I think it is just god-awful. From a political standpoint, and yes, it, it, we have to get into the politics of this, it bothers me enormously that the media is contributing to this horrific name-calling and wanting to attribute this disaster right at the feet of Donald Trump, despite the fact that this killer was very clear on his Facebook page um, that he is no fan of Donald Trump and he had nothing good to say about him. He identifies as a Nazi and identifies as a nationalist and not a nationalist conservative, because I have to make that differentiation. Um, A lot of crazies can put the nationalist label on themselves. That does not mean that they're affiliated in any way with Trump's agenda or any of us who support Trump. Uh, Salim, we've, we've talked on this program for many, many years about the rise of, of anti-Semitism uh, in, in the country. What, what's your reaction, and, and where do you put that, that rise? Is, are there fingerprints that should be pointed? Are there fingerprints to be examined in this case or not? Or is it sure, too early? Sure, sure. I mean, when, you know, last, last year, you know, in Charlottesville, uh, Jews will not replace us. That, and it was clear that people were no longer reticent in expressing these kinds of virulent um, expressions. And um, uh, so, yeah, I, I think that the, the, as, as the pendulum swings, we are swinging to, to that um, time where people are more, more uh, candid in, the, in, in express, expressing their bigotries. You know, xenophobia is always right beneath the surface. Uh, of, no matter where you go, you know, it's easy, easily inflamed. And so that's why it's very careful. We should be very careful about um, um, allowing or, or en- enabling demagogues to manipulate uh, those, those kinds of those kinds of uh, signals that inflame xenophobes. And and I think that that's what's happening right now. There are a lot of people who are trying to inflame uh, xenophobes, and all of all of them need to calm down on their rhetoric because this this is you know there's a lot of kindling out there. And um, it can it can it can go up in flames, and before we know it, we we're engulfed. Brian, a question: You, Brian Lambert, is our libertarian. Brian, is there anything that the president or any political leader could say 
that could get through to someone like the shooter in Pittsburgh? I don't think so, because no one's going to know who's going to want to do what. I don't think it even should be a political leader. I think a lot of it comes from from media stirring the flames. I, I remember uh, a couple incidences from not that long ago where the media whipped up a frenzy about Sarah Palin putting out ads that had crosshairs on it. And at the same time, uh, you know, President Obama talking about bringing a rhetorical gun to a rhetorical knife fight, talking about uh, debate and discussion. I think most rational people, 99% of the population, can look at both of those and not see a problem. The media whips it up into a frenzy on purpose. That's what they want to do. I don't think it's just political leaders. I think it's I think it's media responsibility. When we come back, I want to get a reaction to that. 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. I'm Bruce Dumont. The day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California. A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining. If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760-799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at briansellsthedesert.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Michael Bauer, you were going to make a point? Yeah, you know, uh, we, were, we were talking in the first segment about hate. And, uh, you know, on this panel tonight, and we've been together before several times, you know, probably the two people who are most diverse in their views in the political spectrum are Jennifer and uh, me. Um, Jennifer to the right, me to the left. And, and there are many things we disagree about, and, and there may be a few things we agree on, but... I would never in a million years think that I hate Jennifer. I may disagree with her on her views. She may disagree with me, but we actually like each other a great deal, respect each other a great deal, and that is a trait that is increasingly missing from our society right. in 2018. Why? Absolutely. I want to ask everybody this question. If, if you buy the premise that anti-Semitism is on the rise, mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. It, it, is it just because, in your opinion, that Donald Trump was elected? And maybe there were people that support Donald Trump that may be that, that may be of that political stripe. I don't think it's. I don't even think it's necessarily political. I mean, I think that there has there's an underlying strand of anti-Semitism that is pretty constant in this in this society. Um, it's been there. It's been there from from the early early years of this society. Why is it? Because I think with Donald what, Trump, what, well, what, he represents yeah. this. He's he's eroded a kind of civic protocol, civic etiquette, and he's allowed. The, the guardrails of democracy, they call it. He's allowed those guardrails to be a little shaky. And so people feel more emboldened to come out with these expressions that have always been latent, but never, never, you know, never inflamed to this level. And I think that's what's happening. I think her. there's also some under, uh, um, undercurrents here. We have people like Linda Sarsour, who's on the left. Um, we have several people, Keith Ellison, uh, Louis Farrakhan, other people that d- are in the left who are virulent anti-Semites. I wouldn't say Farrakhan is left. 
is a left. Uh, well, but the left courts him then because there are many politicians, including Barack Obama, who have shared stage with him. But be that as it may, um, anti-Semitism or the perception of anti-Semitism, the idea that this is somehow the province of the right, um, to me is, is really inflammatory because um, I categorically reject that. That doesn't mean there's not anti-Semites on the right, but there are also anti-Semites on the left. Yeah. So, I don't think I wanna... it's just anti-Semitism, though. I think overall bigotry is rising. Yeah, you that's, see, that's you see, point. You see that's I mean, point. think about what we've seen in the last few months. We, you know, Megyn Kelly blew up this week mm-hmm. with, with, her, with her insane, stupid, revolting comments about blackface. Think about Roseanne Barr talking about Valerie uh, Jarrett. Where would Roseanne Barr even come up with these comments, mm-hmm. uh, ugly comments? I mean, b- people, we see anti, uh, bigotry in terms of anti-Semitism, in terms of racism, in terms of xenophobia. Um, and and, that, and, and right, it's going on I mean. worldwide. And it's yeah, not just in the United States. It's not just in the United States. Right. Uh, that's what I mean. Uh, you know, the, the, the guardrails are down, and people feel emboldened. And you, but, you, see it in, you see it in Brazil, for example. But I think there's also a very – I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. I think there's a heightened sensitivity to this, though. If we can just touch on the Megyn Kelly situation for a mm-hmm. second. Mm-hmm. When she was talking about um, when she was younger, um, people sometimes would wear blackface like at sure. Halloween costumes. I got to tell you that when I, I grew up in the 80s, Michael Jackson was really big back then. I had friends that used to wear blackface as Michael Jackson for Halloween. Nobody said anything about it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it happened. Yeah. So this was the context of, the, of what she said. And she also said, gee, I learned something. I apologize. That wasn't good enough. She had to be kicked off the show. So you can say, yeah, it was bigotry. Or is it in that case, and in some other cases, a heightened sensitivity to where it's a political correctness that's coming yes. into play in certain situations? It's, which, it's, it's which the people rebel against and, and it's becoming a politi- uh, you know over politization of everything i pull out a record the other day. i have i have vinyl records at home and i was going through a lot of the old ones and i can listen to bob newhart and it's great and then i put on don rickles and i start to feel bad about what i'm laughing at and this is in the 60s and 70s it's actually brilliantly done everybody in the crowd can laugh at their own things uh, but you know even those things today just become over politicized and now you got people getting in trouble for a tweet that's a decade old yeah, yeah I, I think Quite frankly, I think Ma- Megyn Kelly's uh, firing was was an overreaction. I think it was a teachable moment, as as uh, you know, as Jennifer points out. Um, a lot of people are still unclear on how how exactly do you offend black people, or what is a, what's considered offensive. And I think, and, and that that's confusing to a lot of people. And I think we need to be candid about that, and 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 take the opportunity to make that explanation on go, why these things are, 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 are um, you know, um, objectionable. Well, I, well, I, I want to go back to something that, that we touched on earlier, because again, we've done, you and I have been doing shows for 25 years now, or mm-hmm. more. Or more. And, and we've done a lot of shows when, when the issue of black anti-Semitism mm-hmm. was, was top of mind right. uh, around the, you know, the, pres- the election of Barack Obama and, and Reverend Wright. That. And before that, Harold Washington, even. A long, long time. Why does, I assume you will acknowledge that that issue, black anti Semitism, exists? No doubt. Why does it exist? Tell us why some blacks do not like Jews. Well, you know, it, it, it's it's a complicated issue. Go, uh, much of it is is uh, the 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 um, the presence of Jews in, in urban communities in, in the old days, when Jews were the primary merchants, they were seen as as being exploitative, and and it was that that relationship was a part of the the, the equation. 
And then from then on, Jews were also very, very important in much of the, the early civil rights movement. Many of the communists, the, the Communist Party was very um, uh, aggressive in the, in the African-American communities in New York and in Chicago and other urban areas. And so they had a very strong relationship with the black community. So um, there was that sense of intimacy with the Jewish community. And then there were a lot of black people who felt that the Jews were exploiting black people uh, 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 misery by, by um, merchandising their mer- misery, essentially. And uh, also Jews were important in, in um, uh, the m- music industry, you know, where, where black people were becoming artists and whatnot, and the Jews were their agents and, and that kind of thing. And so th- on, on the other side of that, there was a lot of criticism that Jews were exploiting these black artists. They were, um, you know, uh, taking their earnings without compensating them adequately. And so all of these kinds of undercurrents grew in, in, in the black community. In, 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 your view, in your view, and then I want to, I want to hear Michael on sure. this. In your view, has, has, the, has leadership of the Jewish community ever spent the time and effort to address each and every one of those perceived grievances? Some members have. Did you, uh, and what has been the reaction from the black community? It, it all depends on what part of the black community you're talking about. In, in some segments of the black community, there's been a wide acceptance and acknowledgement of, of, of Jewish attempts to, you know, to, to get more interested and, and more um, involved in, in the dynamics of, of black leadership. But then on the other hand, there's been um, uh, a rejection of their, of Michael, their interests. Well, well, I, what's, I, what's your reaction to, to, to someone who asked the question, okay, if anti-Semitism is on the rise and it is a horrible thing, why is it on the rise? Why do you? What is happening now in this country? And by the way, in Europe, in France, yeah. what, what's happening in those countries that are making some people believe the Jews are responsible for it? Um, you are asking, actually, the proverbial sixty-four thousand dollar question. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm not sure I'm able to come up with any sort of response for you because it bewilders me. Um, we're living in an era um, where we can feel this in this country and across, especially across Europe and England and France um, where there are increasingly anti-Semitic attacks um, uh, I, I wish I understood. I you really, know, there, I really there, have no idea. There's some, I mean, you know, Sorry. There's, there's been, as I say, anti-Semitism has been a, a product of, of many industrial societies for right. a long time. A lot of people say that it's basically a struggle between cosmopolitanism and nationalism. Well, and there's another piece of this, especially in Europe. Um, you have a clash of cultures going on. When you mention England and France, we've had in those countries a huge influx of Muslim immigrants. It's just a fact. And when you look at a lot, not all, a lot of the attacks um, in Paris, for example, against members of the Jewish community, many, many, many attacks have been perpetrated by members of the Muslim community. I'm sorry that's politically incorrect, but that's just no, a that's fact. No, that's true. That's a part of And the so equation. you have to look at that as a, especially in Europe, so not so much in this, it's not so much a case in this country because we, we seem to have a better way of handling mm-hmm. that or keeping that from getting out of control thus far. But in Europe, it's they being don't. being inflamed by the right. You know what's funny? I know some Jewish people who who actually believe in the theory 
that every 60 to 80 years, anti-Semitism rears its ugly head like the cicadas. And, uh, and, and, and their theory is that here we are in 2018, and it's been 70-some-odd years that we've been separated from the end of the Holocaust. And so many people's knowledge of the Holocaust is increasingly diminishing. And with that knowledge is, is as a result, a rise in anti-Semitism, as, as Holocaust survivors are increasingly uh, fewer and fewer. Here's an interesting oh, irony, though. Um, many of the nationalists and the, the rising nationalist group in Europe are very pro-Israel. Yes. Very, very pro-Israel. So there's a, yes. there's a strange dichotomy there, and, and, and a, a lot of people are trying to figure that out. Well, I'd like to point out that Donald Trump is very pro-Israel. So uh, Bibi Netanyahu and other Jewish leaders would right. be the first to say that. Not all Jewish leaders, but many of them. But Zionism I, I, is, is Israeli nationalism. I, so remember when, right. I remember when uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad at the time in Iran was invited to speak at the U.N., and people were shocked and angered at the fact that he was a Holocaust denier and he was being given such a platform in America uh, to talk. And I remember that kind of shocked me at the time when I heard that because it, to me it's one of those conspiracy theories, and yet here's a world leader given a stage, and he was you know, discussing it. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. joking about it, actually, if I remember the way he, he the, his tone. Mm-hmm. But should he have not been given an opportunity to share his be- beliefs, even though they are You're not talking to a libertarian about do? freedom of speech. Well, that's but then again, why, why is the why UN I'm, putting him up there? That's why I'm surprised that, yeah. that, you, that you were shocked by that. Yeah. Well, no, I was shocked that he would go and do this, that, that he felt comfortable enough to bring this out in America, in New York City. In a, in a large part of the world, uh, that argument is you can be comfortable. Commonly accepted, and it's You've okay. We've got to pause. Back shortly. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be, where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. We are having a uh, very civil conversation about uh, the issues uh, that uh, this country face and uh, certainly at the, at the center of the tragedy that took place uh, last uh, week in Pittsburgh uh, is the whole issue of anti-Semitism, whether it's on the rise. Most people would suggest uh, right and left that uh, it is on the rise. And uh, we're talking about the, the, uh, the origins of it and uh, what can, you know, in the rest of this show... We're going to talk about ways in which we uh, uh, may be able to address it. But I want to take a moment now and let each of our guests introduce themselves, and we will begin with Michael Bauer. I'm Michael Bauer. I am the uh, co-chair of the State of Illinois Holocaust and Genocide Commission, and I have been involved for decades in both local and national politics. And what does that commission do? What's the charge? Our, Our legislative mandate is to ensure the teaching of the Holocaust and other genocides, uh, uh, between K and uh, 12th grade. 
And how are we doing in Illinois? And we are doing fairly well. The problem that we have is that there's no criteria as to how it should be taught. So many teachers don't know, don't have a curricula. They don't know how to teach it. So we make available to them a variety of uh, free resources that they can utilize to teach uh, these subjects in their uh, schools. Okay. Brian Lambrick joins us. Uh, my name is Brian Lambrecht. I am a free market capitalist, peacemongering libertarian. I've lived in Chicago <laughs> my entire life, married to my gorgeous wife, Claire, for 16 years. I'm an Uber driver. I love what I do. I play a lot of loud rock, heavy metal, punk music with my guitar, and I'm thrilled to be here on Bruce's show. And your wife is running for state comptroller. Yes, the state comptroller. As a, as a libertarian. Yes, in Illinois. And in Illinois, the comptroller office has never been held by an accountant in 200 years. Well, Why would we do that? absolutely absurd. And she's the only CPA, no only accountant so. running for it. So. <laughs> All right. So Lee Bulwakil, yes, 25 or 30 years together. Tell everybody a little bit more about your background. It's, it's uh, I'm, fascinating. I'm Salim Bulwakil. I'm um, originally from the East Coast. I've been here for a long time, though, so I'm... Uh, officially uh, a Chicagoan, and um, uh, I, I'm a senior editor for a publication called In These Times. I've been doing that for 25 years or so, uh, and I've also, I'm also an a, a, a occasional columnist for the Tribune. I, I am a radio talk show host. I do some lectures for Northwestern University of Illinois and, uh, and the, uh, the, uh, um, the the other other schools. Okay. So, and f- from the village of Harlem. From the village of Harlem. And originally. when you were a young man, you had a run-in with the police. Yeah, when I was a young man, I was a member of the, the Black Panther Party. Um, and I also became a member of the, Na- the Nation of Islam and, and, and was an editor of the, uh, the newspaper of the Nation of Islam for a while. Uh, and then dropped out and became um, a freelance writer for, for, for quite a while, writing for The Reader and other publications in Chicago. I was a columnist for both the Tribune and the, and the Sun-Times, one, I think perhaps one of only two yes. blacks who have ever held that kind that's of right. position. That's because so. of the fame of being on this program for yes, 30 that's, years. Yes, that's, indeed. That's one of the reasons <laughs> for it, no doubt. Well, mm-hmm. we've been friends for a long, long time. Yes, nice sir. to have you back. Jennifer with us. Jennifer? I am Jennifer Nevins. I am a long-suffering former Republican. I am a trained historian in modern European history and U.S. history. Um, I, in 2016, got all aboard the Trump train. Uh, He was my guy when there were 17 people on that stage. And yes, I am a nationalist conservative, and in these times and for purposes of this discussion, it's very important for me to explain um, that being a nationalist can be a wonderful thing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being a nationalist. It's putting your country first. It's not an exclusionary policy against people um, against uh, based on race, religion, ethnicity. It is truly um, attending to the needs of your citizens, whoever they may be in your country. And uh, I'm proud to be here, as always. Would you acknowledge that that term, however, uh, in the past historically has not been associated with positive political movements. Absolutely. Uh, Nazi Party, Nationalist Socialist Party. Um, all manner of evil have been, has been committed in the name of nationalism, just like all manner of evil has been committed in the name of communism, socialism, um, pretty much any other ism that you can name. So I don't, I don't shy away from that as long as um, it is used in context and, and not as a pejorative. And people will use it that way anyway. I mean, it, you know, you catch flack, and I don't mind catching flack. That's I'm fine with it. That's what you sort of like, catching yeah, flack. I don't mind it at all. So you can't mind it. Catching flack and, and, dressed, in, and dressed in black. <laughs> How about that? 
before we go further, uh, again, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, the, uh, the, the tragedy in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania last week uh, in which 11 uh, members of the uh, Tree of Life uh, congregation uh, were, were slain uh, by this shooter uh, after uh, a short period of time, but he ended the life of 11 people. I'd like to spend a moment right now reading the names of the 11 victims of the shooting in Pittsburgh yesterday. Joyce Feinberg, 75. Richard Gottfried, 65. Rose Mellinger, 97, a Holocaust survivor. Jerry Rabinowitz, 66. Brothers Cecil Rosenthal and David Rosenthal. And the married couple Bernice Simon, 84, and Sylvia Simon, 86, and Daniel Stein, 71, and Melvin Wax, 88, and Irving Younger, 69. A couple of them were in their 50s. Most were in their 70s uh, or 80s. And so when we think of shootings, too often in this country, uh, the publicity goes to the shooter, and that's why a policy of this program for the last couple of years is we never mention the name of the shooter. Uh, we're not showing any pictures of the shooter, nor are we doing the same with the bomber from last week as well. Would they you don't need me? publicity. Will you indulge me for a minute? It's certainly, absolutely. Uh, all, all 11 people who were murdered yesterday, each one of them is a tragedy. But there's one I'd like to spend one minute talking about, and that is, as you mentioned, Rose Malinger, who is reported by numerous uh, news outlets to have been a Holocaust survivor. And I think her killing has particularly resonated deeply with many people in the Jewish community and in the Holocaust community. The concept that she would survive the unimaginable horrors of the Holocaust and come to America and be killed in a synagogue while praying on the Sabbath in America in 2018 is almost unfathomable. Thank and, you. And please share with the audience, because uh, those of us around the table have heard you tell this story off the air. Uh, you, you grew up with the stories of the Holocaust yes. told to you yes. as a very young boy. Yes. Share that because, because you were fortunate that your mother was 102 or 103 102. Now. She's 102 years old. Closer to 103, by the way. Close to right now. She's closing in. And she voted last week. Voted and she voted last week. <laughs> so she tell, voted. Tell us about how, I mean, obviously anyone that's been on this program with you or listening on radio or television knows that you're speaking about this subject from, from, a, from a depth that maybe other guests uh, you know, cannot understand. Right. But go, take us back to your childhood. When did you hear that story? Because this is, this is deep in your soul, this issue. Right. And, and what happened in Pittsburgh right. is very close it, to you. It's very close to me. Um, um, I don't remember a time in my life not knowing that my parents were Holocaust survivors. Both uh, my dad was the sole survivor of his family, immediate family of eight. My mother was the sole survivor of her immediate family of 38. Um, I knew, 
I don't remember a time not knowing. My mom wasn't a Holocaust survivor. I always knew because my mom in the second slave labor camp she was in was badly injured when it was bombed by the Allies, and her right arm had to be amputated at the elbow. No anesthesia, no, no antibiotics, and, and she was lucky. Uh, hard to believe lucky in this context, but she was lucky that she did not uh, develop an infection, and it happened late in the war in February of 1945. So instead of being shipped to an a extermination camp, she was just left in the barracks, and the camp was liquidated in April, and the women were on a death march for a number of days, and many women died in the death march from uh, exhaustion, from starvation, etc. And my mother, who is an amazingly strong, resilient human being, survived. And, and, uh, and, uh, and we just celebrated her uh, 102nd birthday earlier this year. And she is the uh, uh, mother of two sons uh, with three grandchildren and seven great-grandchildren. I want to go back and ask uh, the rest of our guests, how many people within your sphere of influence, and I mean your immediate sphere of influence, not your radio audience or even you know, my radio audience, how many people really know the story of the Holocaust? From a personal yeah, perspective? I mean, you're, you're, the, you're the youngest gentleman at the table. Mid, are you mid-30s? I'm, I'm, I'm pushing on 40 next year. But you yeah. are. Oh, yeah. Well, you're I'm just adorable. But you're, still, <laughs> but you're still 30. Yeah. I mean, how many, of, how many of your friends really know what that story is all about? I, not many from what we haven't read or seen in movies or, or done you know, research on on our own. Uh, and I, I want to say something really quick is that uh, on the campaigns that I work here, there's a libertarian who's on our campaign. His name's uh, Eliyahu Neiman, uh, wonderful wife, Devorah, uh, Orthodox Jews up north in the Skokie area. And I've never learned so much before as to being invited over on the Sabbath, having a Chabot lunch, uh, the, the challah bread. So many things I've learned, and I have so much more to ask him when I leave this table tonight. Uh, but that's about the clo- that's the closest to coming to, to that community outside of just you know friends in school or whatever. Yeah. That's really opened my eyes. That would be uh, a good question for everybody to ask uh, uh, amongst your friends and neighbors tomorrow. How many people really know that story? And is that, is that part of what we as a nation can do to heal and, and, and to combat anti-Semitism? It's just to basically be smarter about the subject. Back shortly. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. We're talking about uh, movies during the break and what movies we've seen. Uh, last week I saw First Man. Ah, eh, not so great. 
you know, I think I'm tired of watching moon pictures. I've seen a lot of them. Not so great. Uh, Beautiful Boy is one of the most touching movies I've ever seen. And uh, The Hate You Give. Uh, people should see it. You, you, may, you may be listening to this program and say, why do I want to go see a program uh, or, or a movie uh, that basically is, is promoted as thug, uh, The Hate You Give? Why would I want to go see a movie about the black experience? And it deals with black police community relations. Well, you should see it because it's a damn good movie. And there's a lot to learn in the movie. It's not a polemic. I would hate it had it been a polemic. It's just a great movie that explains two sides of an issue that we deal with in this country, and it's race relations and police community relations. And I think uh, it is told with a point of view, but I think it is a point of view that a lot of people, including a lot of white Americans, should at least take a couple of hours and watch it. It's a very good motion picture. Let's go to Tom in Youngstown, Ohio, listening to us on W... Oh, no, before... Tom? Yes. Stay on the line. Don't go away. (laughs) I promised our guest, because before the break, I asked uh, uh, two of our guests, uh, within their friendship, uh, their relationship with, with... Jewish members of the community, and I did not ask our other two guests. So, Salim, forgive yeah, um, me for not- coming coming from an activist background. Many of my closest associates were Jewish, as well as many of the black. My black associates were also scholars, or they were associated with with uh, academics in one way or the other. So, they had pretty serious understanding of, of uh, serious understanding of history and where anti-Semitism plays into that. And we used to meet. I used to go to Squirrel Hill every, every year uh, because I was part of something called a progressive media project, and I was on the board, and we would have our board meetings at Squirrel Hill. Most of the members were, were Jewish uh, uh, journalists. And so I've, I've been am- amongst people who have deep, a deep knowledge of the Holocaust and, and understand many of the implications. I would say in my life, um, the people in my inner circle um, come from a variety of educational backgrounds, but we all kind of have the same more or less um, political point of view. And I would say that they are almost to a person very well informed um, about at least the broad contours of the Holocaust, um, the implications of it, some of the main um, events of the Holocaust. And I think that that also reflects my background, which is um, evangelical and conservative. Um, Many of us in that community have a lot of interest um, in um, Holocaust studies, understanding the Holocaust, preventing things like that from happening, and having an overall sympathy um, with the state of Israel goes along with that as well. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, and uh, I think from from my perspective, uh, uh, my first wife of 19 years was Jewish. Uh, my daughter is Jewish, and my grandchildren are all Jewish. And uh, I think that's given me a, a unique uh, perspective of uh, uh, what goes on in the in the Jewish community. And also, uh, by the way, one point I wanted to make about uh, the film that I just referenced, Thug, and this is something again. I think maybe this is what moves you or would move voters to go see it, it does not, it, it deals with the subject of black-on-black violence. And it doesn't deal with it in a soft way. It deals with it in a very strong way. So it, it, it condemns 
black on vi- black on violence, black on black violence, as well as black on white violence. It's part of the story. Again, it's it's a it's a great picture. Uh, Tom, thank you very much. We kept you on hold. Go ahead. You're on the air. Calling from yes. Youngstown, Ohio. Yes, Bruce. Uh, I, I what initiated my call uh, early uh, today was was the fact that uh, you were had a guest there that was talking about uh, the journalism uh, and, and the journalist to a certain extent uh, uh, stoking the the fire a little bit in this whole situation of uh, antagonism goes on in the country. And, and I believe that. I, I tend to wonder if there isn't a Jerry Springer School of Journalism that most of these people have uh, graduated from. Because uh, I, I have listened to your program for decades. Uh, when you first uh, came into the area, in the, the Youngstown, Ohio area, and you were on a uh, different station at that time, mm-hmm. now you're in out of uh, WPIC, out of mm-hmm. uh, Sharon, uh, Mercer County area. Right. right. But I admire, and, and you prove this, the, that the fact that you can get three, four, or five people, sometimes more than that, and, and depending upon the length of time that you have and the topics, bringing them to a program, and you're able to bring in a variety of people, variety of backgrounds, different positions on the subject, and yet being able to discuss them civilly, intelligently, still maybe have their same uh, opinion, and, and if I recall correctly, uh, you, here a few months ago, you obviously had to ban one person from your program yes. uh, for, for obvious reasons, and I think you mentioned that was only the second time in, in the history of your program that you had to do that. Right. And, and I guess what I'm getting at is yes, that so. we can do this. You know, for whatever reason, and I'm, I'm sure it's ratings, the, the media is stoking all this. And, 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 you know, I, I want to bring something else up, if I can, because I think it, I think thank it relates you, to the... Th- th- thank, you for your, thank you for your comment. We've got about 30 seconds left, and then we've got to go to a break. But go ahead. Well, well I, I think a lot of the problem that we need to address is the in, influx of immigrants and the whole idea of affirmative action and quotas and minority set of preferences for people who really uh, were not affected... Uh, during the years of discrimination and segregation and slavery and so forth, they're, they're getting the benefits. The people that were here domestically uh, aren't progressing in many instances. That leads to the inner city violence. Uh, okay. and, and I like Tom, I'm going to interrupt you only because we're out of time. We'll see if we can address it in the next hour. And in the next hour, we're also going to spend some time talking about the mail bomber, another big story from last week. Thank you again for your comments and for uh, watching us and listening to us for 20-plus for years. Thank you very much. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly with our guests in a full, another full hour on radio. If you're watching us on television, see you next week. hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live.
the experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. Time someone mentioned transparency. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Uh, Michael Bauer is coming up with drinking games to play on the show. What was your suggestion? I said anyone, anytime someone mentions transparency, we do a shot. Okay, that's the that's the word in politics these days. Transparency. Everyone wants to be. Everyone, everyone civility, then we can really get bombed. Civility. civility. Civility, then we can all well, get civil- bombed. I mean, civility, civility is, is what we strive for. Yeah. But again, uh, even in a civil discussion, you have to have someone that's listening as well as just talking. So that's, mm. that's mm. usually the, the, the mm. challenge. Okay. By the way, the other uh, huge story uh, last week, which dominated news for several days, uh, was the, uh, the bombs or the alleged bombs uh, that were sent. And uh, they came in, in very almost identical packages, and uh, they looked, uh, you know, very much uh, like this if you're watching us on television. They all sort of looked the same. They all ended up coming from, uh, from uh, Florida, South Florida. And then uh, when the FBI finally made an arrest uh, with the assistance of uh, local authorities, uh, this was the van that was used by uh, the bomber uh, who sent these uh, package bombs all over the United States. And again, it had uh, Donald Trump uh, supportive, uh, uh, you know, bumper stickers all over it. And then the FBI, as they moved it uh, for further uh, examination, they uh, put a, a blue tarp over it uh, to keep it uh, hidden from uh, uh, from those that uh, 
uh, would love to take more pictures of it. And uh, the Democrats loved taking the pictures that were available on the Internet and spreading them all around saying, aha, we knew that it was a, a right wing. <laughs> but my question to you, uh, I want to ask, I'm going to start with you, Jennifer. Before uh, this guy, the mad bomber, was arrested mm-hmm. with his background, mm-hmm. who apparently liked Donald Trump, before that happened, on, in, on the Internet, there was a lot of speculation as to what was really behind it. And tell us what you wrote and thought during that period of time. My position uh, before we knew anything about this guy was that this was a false flag and that something was not right. Um, Believe it or not, um, I still hold to that position, Um, and let me explain why. Um, Since becoming aware of WikiLeaks, the FBI investigation, everything with Hillary Clinton, James Comey, so on and so forth, I have become a huge believer in conspiracy theories. So when I look at this particular situation, um, he's a crazy man. He's been crazy since the early 1990s, making terroristic threats before Donald Trump arrived on the scene politically. So we have to put that, you know, he's, you know, you have to put that into context. But it does not make sense to me, given when this happened. Um, We had Donald Trump um, kind of making hay and getting some traction, most pundits thought, with his the left is the mob, the left is akin to a mob. Then what happens is these uh, fake bombs or bombs that did not go off start coming to all these uh, particular individuals. The timing um, and this van being almost a caricature. When I saw this van, it's like, could this be any more obvious? It's like, arrest me. Here I am over here. None of it. The man's unemployed, but yet he has a new van. He has, uh, the FBI said the parts that he had the bomb, made the bombs with are not uh, cheap. It's expensive to do. What is the story behind this? So my point of view on this is this. Yes, he registered as a Republican in 2016 in the primaries along with a a lot of other people. Yes, he was at a Trump rally. I don't know quite what to make of that right now. We don't know a a whole lot more other than what we've already been told. He did not act alone. The FBI has already said they know there were other people behind it. I need to know more information before I can put him down as a Trump supporter. End of sentence. All right. What difference does it make? On the believability stage, on the believability level, rather, uh, where would you put that possibility, Michael Bauer? Uh, of this being a false flag? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what relevance it has. The fact is, is that I don't care what his political beliefs is. This guy's a nutcase, all right? He sent mail bombs to a number of people. Um, he's as much of a nutcase as this guy who shot a bunch of Republican congressmen, including uh, Steve uh, Scalise last year. Well, Michael, I, mean, I agree there is, with you There, on there that. is just a certain level of evil that exists in this well, world, and some yeah. people are just pure evil. Well, and I and agree with you. Acts. I agree with you on that, except it's, it comes down to the all-powerful media who does think that it matters very much, and they are framing this whole national discussion. You know, when, when Steve Scalise was shot, the Washington Post headline was, and I, I'm going to read it to you, Representative Steve Scalise shot. Period. That was it. What was the New York Times headline? Bombing the suspects arrested and was a Trump supporter. Now, you look at those two headlines side by side. We had one that was a Bernie Sanders supporter, and that was not Bernie Sanders' fault that that happened. And not absolutely not. And here we have a supposed, and maybe he was, Trump supporter. But look at the treatment that, that these two things were given. So in the context of the national discussion, the media has decided that this does matter. So... To, 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 I, want, uh, I, want to, I, want, I want to get everybody's reaction just on the, the possibility that uh, this is a maybe what we're seeing is not real facts. 
the fact that this is a um, – I'm going to jump away from media and get back to government for a second. Sure. I remember years ago Janet Napolitano, uh, Department of Homeland Security, put out a report that was talking about people that could be dangerous, could be threats to Homeland Security. Libertarians were listed in there. I remember one of the things talked about people who may have a Ron Paul sticker on their car. I happen to know a lot of people that have Ron Paul stickers or, or Libertarian stickers on their car, and none of them are violent of any kind, would never do anything like that. If anything, they're the most chill, laid-back, relaxed people that you could ever hang out with. But there's even the government putting – and why does the government put that out? Why did Janet Napolitano want to have that out there? Because then you feed the media something, and then they ran with it for a few weeks, and now you're already making people targets who haven't committed any crime or haven't done anything. Salim, what do you think? Um, I, I don't think you have, you have been a believer of conspiracy theories on occasion. Nah, not really that that much of a, a believer in, in conspiracy theories. At one point, I was very uh, susceptible to that, but but you know, it's it's an in, a disempowering kind of dynamic when when you when you put all your belief in that kind of thing. I, I think that this guy was a was an oddball, and he was simply um, an, uh, one of those uh, crazy cats who who. who uh, Who's influenced by the by the public furor, and and he was triggered into action that way. I don't I don't think there's any ideological connection necessarily. He could have been, he could have been an advocate of, of Bernie Sanders or some other uh, of Jill Stein or some uh, or someone. He would have still been susceptible to those kinds of eccentric behaviors or, or you know destructive behaviors. Or, what does it, it What does it say to everyone that not one of these packages? I'm going to use them the package. Not one of these packages went off. There wasn't any, any package that showed any sophistication. The powder that was put in some of the packages was, was not anything that was uh, poisonous or, or dangerous in any way. What does it, what does it say that, that someone with that little skill can cause the media frenzy that we saw last week? Part of it was the media frenzy, as, as Jennifer pointed out. But 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 yeah. how how can we react? How can the media react better to a media frenzy story? Now, well, granted, but, they were all going to Democrats. Okay, that was that was suspect. Okay, so you, I mean, in in the world of intelligence, when you talk with an intelligence analyst, you can look at the obvious thing. And you can look at anything that happens as a diversion. Mm-hmm. So it rushes everybody to think that this is some right-winger doing it. But a, but a pro- professional trained intelligence officer would say, wait a minute, let's look beyond the obvious. And is there anything that we're missing here? I think that's what Jennifer's talking about. Yes. Are there things missing here that need further when, discussion? Once, I want to come, I want to come back, it was clear. back shortly was from missing? Chicago. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. 
Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760-799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at briansellsthedesert.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Let's go to Ron in Sacramento, California. He wants to jump into this conversation. Go ahead, Ron. Okay, yeah. Uh, the fact, like you said, none of the 14 bombs uh, went off seems to me pretty obvious. Also, the timing of that event is suspect. And then the question lawyers ask, which nobody asked anymore, qui bono, qui bono with all of this stuff. You go back to the dossier which with the gold and showers, that turned out to be baloney. The whole Christine Ford fiasco, that was a lot of hot air. So the people like Soros and uh, uh, Hillary and the rest of them, so, uh, it's like sympathy for the devil the last second. But I think uh, uh, basically the, the conservatives, Republicans, with the walkaway Democrats and the Reagan Democrats and the independents, Republicans are going to hold the House and the Senate, and okay. if we get an honest vote count. Okay, thanks for your call. We do appreciate it. Uh, anyway, back to back to the back to the investigation. I mean, in this particular case, um, what should happen to this guy? I well, mean, for, you, for, you, for, you, let me ask you this: just yeah. because you say that this is a potential 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 conspiracy involving what we're looking at is. Not necessarily what we're seeing, which, again, that, that has all the makings. I'm not saying this is. Mm-hmm. It has the makings of an intelligence operation, given the fact of when it happened, nobody got hurt, the way the media responded, the way that many in the media and the Democrats, they had someone to point a finger, and then this guy shows up with Trump things all over his car. It, it sets him up as a potential patsy. Okay. Right. Absolutely. Because because in in a in a conspiracy there frequently is a there's a cover story there's a patsy that patsy has all kinds right. of questionable background that's what happens in cover stories so what you're saying is do you think this guy needs to have the the proctoscopic investigation by by journalists and the media and the FBI and CIA to find out whether this guy is real or is he a fake. Well, I don't know if I trust the media to get to the bottom of it, but he certainly needs a thorough examination by the Justice Department. Uh, what other agencies, um, ATF, um, what other agencies that you would use? And if he was an accomplice, which I think at a minimum he's accomplice um, to this, he needs to be punished um, as he should have been punished back in the 90s when he also committed felonies and got remarkably light sentences for. So, yes, I do think if he's involved, which it looks like he is to some degree or another, he certainly should face punishment. Brian, what do you think? I love how you loaded it up like a Raymond Chandler novel. Uh, you know, I see this. Uh, I'm going to agree with Jennifer on this with regards to the investigation. But I thought it was interesting that this came just this wasn't that long ago that Hillary uh, Hillary Clinton made that comment about how civility cannot return until Democrats take over the House or at least get back in power. And I remember the idea that we can't have civility until a certain team, and this is from a libertarian perspective, until Team A or Team B, until it's the Cubs or the White Sox, whatever, that we cannot have civility, that that's not going to be allowed, and that therefore it gives a justification to, not saying the bombs are justified, but uh, like Antifa or any kind of thing where there's going to be a problem going on. 
Michael, what did you think of, of Hillary's comments uh, when, when basically said uh, we can't have civility until uh, the Democrats take control of the House? Well, I have a certain attitude toward Hillary. I wish she would just go away. All right? And, and, and I'm biased about that. However, comments by Hillary Clinton or comments by any senator or member of Congress do not have the same weight as comments by the President of the United States. The fact of the matter is the President of the United States is on a totally different level than everyone else. And when the President of the United States leads his campaign rallies and shouts of lock her up or praising a congressman for body slamming a reporter, I have to tell you something. It's extremely unpresidential and it's destructive to our political process, and it shouldn't be happening. Do you agree with well, that, I, I agree that those comments – well, I, the lock her up, you know what? Um, Hillary is a criminal, and she does deserve to be locked up. I don't I, – I will always stand by that, so I'm not going to say he shouldn't have said that. And the crowds – I've been at many Trump rallies. Yes, we chanted it. I'm proud of it. I do it again to her face. So, no, I'm not going to retract that. Body slamming a reporter? I wouldn't have said that. There have been many times Trump has said something, and I've said to myself, did he really need to go down that road? Because any time he does something that damages his agenda in any way, shape, or form, it bothers me. But to say that those comments that he made, in some cases a couple years ago, compare, yes, he's the president, but you tell me why we've had national leaders, there have been leaders that have said the most horrible things about Trump, including that uh, somebody out of uh, the head of the Democrat Party in Minnesota saying that the Democrat, the head of the GOP, should be guillotined. I mean, we have had incendiary rhetoric and yes. i'm getting so tired of hearing yes. about this lock her up and this body slam thing those were two comments that were whatever you want to say about them to me it's not comparable. but another, it's the president of the united states uh, for god's uh, sakes the president of the united states okay. is on a totally different level than everyone else in the country let me ask let me ask you this question if if you will acknowledge and by the way if you will acknowledge that the president of the united states through his words can say some things that rile up some of his more extreme supporters, and they go out and do something illegal, stupid, or potentially harmful, a lot more harmful than just, you know, sending, uh, you, know, uh, you know, packages that don't explode. Right. I mean, someone really harmful, like, like shooting 11 people in a synagogue. That's a, there's, a, there's a big difference between right. the stories that right. we were telling, talking about last week. Would you also acknowledge that, that words coming from a television commentator or from a reporter that at least in the mind of the receiver is perceived as constantly being against the president against their particular politics can rile a person up against that reporter or against that television network that they sitting there they they say you know what i'm instead of just throwing a shoe at the television set i'm riled up that they are they're as riled up as something that Jake Tapper might have said or says or any one of the commentators on that station or on Fox. Could we go either way? They get so riled up at the commentators on TV, they could do something harmful to them because of the words uttered. Now, would you acknowledge that that's a possibility? Sure, it is if a the president, If the president can, can move people to act, because of their words, right. would you agree with that or not? Sure, but does everybody category. agree with yes. that? Or yeah, not? but they're different categories, though. Of course, they're in a so, different so, category. So they're different but levels of responsibility. The receiver, the receiver of that message, is receiving the message, and that is, those words are his or her trigger mm-hmm. to do something. Yeah, but, but and, the, and, and 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 in many cases, it, it it's a horrible thing to do. 
And but, that could, and by the way, that could happen left, or it could happen right. Indeed. It could be the same thing, you know, you know, the the the, the shooter of, of Steve Scalise and the Republicans. That was a supporter of, of Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, I, he's not responsible for that. That's right. But, um, but he probably heard Bernie Sanders say some bad things about Republicans. But I that's mean, what, Hillary Clinton says we can't even have civility. Well, you know, the, that, now, now, see, again, I, I think that that's an exploitative, uh, um, t- taking her, co- her comments out of context in a, in a very tendentious way. Because what she was that's trying she to said. do, she, what she was trying to do was to mobilize her political base. Absolutely. That's, what that's exactly what we're talking it was, about. It was an electoral strategy. Yes. But Trump is a president of the United States. He has an entire country does he that have he's a stra- shepherding. Does he have a strategy, too? He may have, but that's beside the point. That's a political that's a political you know, point. We, but his, his strategy is to be the president of the United States. That's his, his job. Is his strategy appropriate? I think that's exactly. the question. You know, and I, I don't find his strategy appropriate. I get so tired of hearing about people saying, well, Donald Trump, like Donald Trump is his father figure, and all these liberals and all these other people are, gonna, are waiting to take their cues from the president. Like, teach us how to behave. We're all adults here. Okay. No, we're if not. Donald no, Trump, no, but we're not. We're not. We're not. But you know what, though? But, but the, that's, that's, well, listen. You're being pejorative listen, the fact, the the fact of the matter is, it really bothers me when I hear people say that your leader, Donald Trump, is saying this, He's that, the and the other, when very high-level leaders, okay, your leaders, you don't have a president, but your leaders are saying of the Democrat Party haven't had a word correct me if I'm wrong, a strong condemnation of Antifa caused over $300,000 worth of damage. You can all you want. In Washington, Oregon, somebody kicked out of their wheelchair. We all saw this on television. Where's the condemnation? So I'm just tired of the disingenuous from people saying that Donald Trump needs to to watch his language for comments he made years ago. People look at the rise but of fascism. But there's violence happening now, and the, the Democrats are not Europe, tamping say, it down. We can't let that happen again. We're going to stop it. Well, and that's words, what Antifa we have represents. Words and we have an attempt actions. to stop this rise of fascism that we see happening. But, so I wonder why anyone doesn't condemn the Proud Boys. What about, what about, what about, what about, uh, what are you going to do about the, it? This is on the civility level, mm-hmm. and this is on the level of, of uh, uh, whether prominent Democrats have properly spoken out and chastised. Uh, Maxine Waters for her comments. Which ones? The co- the comments that said that she was telling everybody to get in the face of members of Congress of anybody basically. I heard a lot of people disagree. condemn that. Uh, you haven't heard people condemn that? Who? I've heard a, um, just. I, I have, but just you know, name one. I don't know who has. She's still at that. it. She's still at it. She well, just gave a rally that's last one, that's week. One congressperson. Well, I mean, there are a lot of. People who do radical things. Eric Holder saying that we're going to kick him. And then when violence oh, breaks out, he says, well, I didn't mean anything by that. They don't hold him to account. I mean, you know, what's good for the goose is good See, for the gander. You know, this, is, this is the thing. you talk about disingenuous. What? You're, trying to, you're trying to parallel these, these periodic comments by these Democrats with Donald Trump, whose entire agenda is to break down all civil well, protocol, can, can, can all etiquette, can, all civility. If Donald, if, that, if, that's his purpose. If, if Donald Trump had ever said that his supporters should aggressively go up and, and, and disrupt. He has said that. No, he has not. Well, he's, uh, he, no, he has can not. I, can I finish? Violence. He, he's he's dis, dis, urged dis, dis, violence. Dis, 
and he said he would even pay that bail. That was that? one like, incident that, that, in a rally two uh, years ago. Now you're excusing that, right? No, yeah. I'm not. But, but, you guys, I'm, not I'm, I'm putting it in. And you're talking about disingenuousness. I am not excusing that. I think that was wrong. I think I said that on this program. I said it, too. I don't know if I've heard it. When you have a member of Congress saying that supporters shouldn't let other members of Congress who she disagrees with even have a peaceful I've heard dinner. A lot of people That's bad. That. Back shortly. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Uh, we're, we're back on the air. Don't, oh, don't okay. stop. I mean, okay. I mean dur- during, during the break, I mean, we, we were really rolling during the break. Don't stop. We're back a, on the a air. A crazy oh, okay. person can listen to the <laughs> Beatles ahead. and decide that he's got to murder several people. He can hear Helter Skelter and hear something mm-hmm, in that message. Mm-hmm, you right. can't hold the Beatles accountable for that. And I'm, I'm The saying, Beatles right. are not a president. I know he's not the I, right. I, I know they're not the president, but right. still, any crazy person can take and, and what and they and want and make it. Well, the censorship rule, you know, there are rules that society has developed to account for artists' Expression and what artistic expression, but he's the president of the United States. You know, By the way, before the, before the break, I, w- I was pressing you on, on on Maxine Waters. Yes, and you did not come up with the name of anyone that condemned her. So I'm going to I'm going to come up with the name of somebody. I'll that come I'll come up with a name. I'm going to come up with a name. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi. She didn't. I would not say she she you know condemned her. She took her. She she basically said that she felt that Maxine Waters had gone over the line because I'm sure that I am sure that the first time that the speaker heard those words from from the congresswoman, she probably went, "Oh my God, what a piece of tape the Republicans right, have! Right. This is going to be taken, you know, mm-hmm. just I've heard shoved Michelle down Obama, our throat." For example, well, uh, but say but you know what? And that's exactly what happened. There may have been other Democrats, that, but, but I know Nancy Pelosi was one. So mm-hmm. she's the speaker. She realized what a horrendous thing that was used. Mm-hmm. That video was out there, and you were making your own comments. During the break, you were making your own comments of an assessment of, uh, of Maxine Waters. Yes. Which, I, I mean, is, I, which is that I think it was excessive. You know, it, it was rhetorically excessive. But there, there are people who, who, who you look to to be to, to express themselves in that way. That, that, that doesn't condemn the entire, uh, you know, effort, uh, democratic effort. It's just one individual. But, and would you, people- but would you acknowledge that someone in her position, and she is lionized by some. She may not be lionized by anybody around this table. She has a constituency. She has a constituency. Very, that is very avid and very right. anti-Trump. And, and so, do you, she's do, not the president. Do she doesn't you, have a no, no. wide do, constituency do you that she believe, has to attend to. Do you believe that that rhetoric that she uttered could result in somebody getting hurt? 
Um, if, if her constituents want to go out and they want to engage and they want to go up to a, 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 a Republican member of the House or Senate, either locally or nationally, and get in their face when they're having dinner, could that lead to violence? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Because there is a fine line between between excessive verbal harassment that gets heated and that leads to physical harassment. And we are, I'm old enough to remember 1968, which was a very ugly, ugly year in this country. And it was a year, and it was a year marked by (laughs) a great deal of political violence, violence in the streets and some very prominent political assassinations, Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy. Um, I've often felt 2018 feels the same George way Lincoln to me. Lincoln Rockwell was before that. Okay, well, not that he was in that level, but I'm talking okay. about he's, he. He was the leader of of the of the American Nazi, Nazi movement, Party. and he was assassinated. Okay, okay. well, but uh, but I've also often felt we are we are in the same mindset in 2018, and, and and like it or not, there's only one person who can try tamping down this. This out of control. Okay, l- let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. The Antifa rioters, and there's no way to call them protesters. You don't wear masks if you're protesting, but let's just say and they're the, not Democrats. And and, and but they're they're, they Democrats. say that they are on the left. That's how they define they, they themselves. They do, but they're not okay? Democrats. Yeah. Democrats so, are not on the left. So, okay, so when they're when they're engaging in their property destruction and doing what they're doing, do you think that they're taking their cues from Donald Trump? No, they've got no. their own agenda that they're running. And the thing of it is, guys, is I feel the that the, confronta- the confrontational uh, mode of going into a restaurant, we've had many officials kicked out of restaurants, um, that is not only a product of what Maxine Waters says that she was advocating doing, but um, Philip Rines, who was one of um, Hillary's top campaign people, was just on a show a few days ago saying, oh, poor baby. Babies, they're going to miss their supper. Oh, well, I think it's just a small price to pay to live in a democracy. And Tucker uh, Carlson, who was uh, doing the show, was like, are you advocating that people can go in and, and disturb people's dinner and, and, and go in a private restaurant and do this? He's like, I really, Tucker, honestly, as long as it doesn't get violent, I don't see that there's any problem with it. So that type of codification of this type of aggression of, of d- talking to but, but this is something this isn't a fringe person this was one of hillary's people saying this so i'm sorry we're seeing a very ugly movement debated, happening here he has to be debated down if, right. if, if he brings that we've up we've got to move on roger listening to us on klvj in austin texas nice to hear from texas tonight roger go ahead good evening bruce always a pleasure uh, you know i have to agree with the point that the media really tries to lay all this at the feet of Donald Trump. I I was watching ABC News when they reported the synagogue shooting, and immediately this lady, and she's usually on This Week with Stephanopoulos, she she immediately starts putting it at the feet of Trump. And, you know, uh, the gentleman there was talking about the uh, discussions in the rally, and there's a couple of good YouTubes out there that talk about and show clips from all this stuff. But you have to remember the context of when these things are said. There were protesters in these rallies that were causing a lot of trouble. And the things that were said were dealing with those people. You know, if you don't like the heat, don't get into the oven. And we have all over this country people running around, in our city especially, with resistance stickers and indivisible and persist and not my president. And, you know, there's just this attitude of incivility and anti-Trump that is – it's like an epidemic, and it's a problem. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. And it was the same way with, with uh, Barack Obama when he was president. I mean, do you remember all the, all the hateful things that were said about him and all the hateful signs okay. in 2010 in the midterm but, elections? Okay, well, you know, Michael, I need to. We have the news media doing it, though. Well, now we have the news media that's part and parcel of this thing. And there was not people with stickers on their cars all over town saying they hated Obama. Down, oh, yes, know, yes, they were. They were I, I do agree that the media well, does. maybe in your town. The, me, the media is certainly um, uh, uh, anti-Trump. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Okay. But um, I, I, do, I do object to making a, an analogy uh, of, not, of not recognizing the, the similarities between the anti-Obama fervor that was out here and the anti-Trump. Okay, I really need to, to jump into that. Um, my husband played the inauguration when um, Obama first got in, in 2008. We are rabid conservatives, but he's a musician, and his band was chosen to play at one of the inaugural balls. So being a good American, he what went, instrument? and he did. He's a saxophonist. Um, oh, Common and all those guys were there. It was a big, a really big deal. Um, he got through it. It wasn't his, you know, what he really wanted to do, but he felt like it was making history. There was not a single. He was sending me pictures, reporting on this. There were no protests in Washington D.C. It was. It was just, it was, he actually said it was a, a beautiful time in Washington, D.C. When Trump was inaugurated, there was over $125,000 worth of damage done in Washington, D.C. because of the protesters. On the day of the inauguration, it is not the same. I will dispute that to my dying breath. It is not the same. Well, uh, I agree. It's laughable to even make that assertion. Yes, it is. It is what, not even close. What, 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 what was the, uh, um, the Tea Party? What, what, were you guys asleep? Did we destroy property? The, the tea, Did we destroy the, the property? Tea party, the, the Tea, tea Party was, was raising havoc in every what? city. What? I mean, come on, man. Where, where were you guys? No, I was a member of the Tea Party. I dispute that. But here's the point. I, the, the Tea Party, as the I recall. Is history, for no, real. As I recall. The, and, and by the way, this not only does this go back to the Tea Party, but it also goes back to the opposition of Bill Clinton, mm. who, you know, uh, when he was pushing for his health care when he was president. Mm-hmm. But the Tea Party, they approached uh, political leaders in their offices, in their district offices. They showed up for public hearings, you know, when the congressman would, ha- would have his, 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 his talk sessions. They would show up. In their offices. And by the way, you know what? I think that's fair game. If a congressman has an office, whether it's the district office or even the office in in D.C., I have no objection to to protests taking place Mm -hmm. there. But when that member of Congress, regardless of who they are, I I I I don't want Maxine Waters to be approached when she goes to eat at her local restaurant either. Mm-hmm. I think that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. There's got to be a little safe space mm-hmm. for people who decide, I'm going to get into this race. And whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, a liberal or conservative, you are in your mind, and I think in, you're, you're doing good for the country. You're stepping up to debate. You're playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. Right. But well, you know see, what? Obama- you should be allowed to have a couple of hours uh, for a peaceful dinner, or, or, right. or, or a libertarian, just to put that in there. I'm I'm the guy that would show up at the Tea Party rally with a giant pride flag on my shirt on one side and a big pot leaf on the other side, and I, I'm instigating. I'm looking and I'm I'm ready to have debate and ready to have arguments. And I would all of their kids and, and college age kids would come over and talk to us, and we'd win them over with ideas. I never felt threatened though. Never felt like I was. Uh, um, never felt in any danger. As opposed to when I've gone to anti-war rallies. Thank in 
in yeah. Chicago where it's like yeah. we can't pass yeah. out any material or can't talk to anybody here because uh-huh. it's just a much more threatening thing. Now, at the Tea Party rallies, rallies people get angry. They get gruff. They're ridiculous. Yeah. They're embarrassing. Their ideas suck, and we destroy them in the arena of ideas with these things. And also, but I never felt uh, threatened. No. I and never I, felt and, in danger. And, and I've never early felt, in the camp. Early I've in the, the right wing uh, rallies and felt very threatened. You know what? You know what? I want you, Celine, to find some examples of Tea Party riots. I I would love to see some examples of Tea Party riots. You can look at for them on the break. There are no. No, no. you know what? The idea that you're making that comparison is something I can't even engage in anymore. It's it's silliness. It's total silliness. When you go back to rallies, and this this goes back to a rally that that I attended, and I shared this story on the air. The Donald Trump rally that was called for the University of Illinois Chicago Circle in the city of Chicago, mm, mm. about three miles from here, during the primary campaign, yeah. right. the one that had to be canceled, right. it had to be canceled because of violence I saw with my own eyes on the inside by instigators, by anti-Trump people beating up Trump people. And then when the rally was closed mm. and I was walking by with everybody else, Everyone was being, in many cases, spit at by the anti-Trump people. Including my 15-year-old daughter. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. Just two months back, by the way, I want to just uh, make a point because I, I made a point about how, how I uh, personally experienced and saw literally up close and, and, and personal the venom that was used by the anti-Trump crowd as I was walking from the University of, Chica- uh, University of Illinois Chicago UIC Pavilion uh, back to try to get a, a, a cab downtown. And again, people were, uh, no one spat at me. A cab, not but a I saw, I saw people with Trump, I had obviously, had, I had no Trump signs, I was there as a member of the media. But I saw people being hit with placards, and I saw people being spit on, and, and vile things said to them. I mean, the F word was, was all over the place. So I saw, and these were people, it was on one side, they were creating this demonstration. By the way, this was a demonstration that had to be shut down. This was, this was at a time when Trump was being criticized by the news media because, because there had been, his rhetoric was over the top and there had been some skirmishes that broke out at rallies. At the rally that I was at, all of it was the same way. It was anti-Trump people beating up on Trump people inside the pavilion. Now, that was semi-reported on the news media that night. But for many cases, that wasn't necessarily the case. And that rally was stopped 
And you will remember right. later in the campaign, a gentleman by the name of Robert Creamer, and many of the people at this table know him. Yep. He is the husband of U.S. Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky. He was singled out as someone who was instigating uh, violence and, and, and disrupting Trump rallies to create a chaos to try to make sure that the Republicans and the Trump people were, were criticized. And this was, this was a Democratic-inspired campaign. It got some publicity during the campaign, and it was, it was, it was supporters of Hillary Clinton doing this during the campaign. That's a fact. Those things were going on. And one other thing, and this goes back a few years, but I want to let you know that, that this, is, this is an objective concern that I have. Back in the 90s, when, uh, when the whole issue of health care was the number one goal of the Clinton administration, I did this program from KCMO in Kansas City, one of our affiliates at the time. The day before, there was a rally in Independence, Missouri. That was the home of Harry S. Truman. And the president was there. And I will tell you, those in the audience who were vehemently anti-Bill Clinton, I saw the same reaction, the vilification, the spitting, the beating up on people with Clinton signs. This was the President of the United States. I saw a mo- angry mob that day doing exactly what Bill Clinton, because they disagreed with the President of the United States. They were beyond disagreeable. They were violent. They were vile and violent. And so I've seen that from those that supported Bill Clinton, that opposed Bill Clinton, and I saw it from people who opposed Donald Trump. Once the mob gets going, they know exactly what their goal is. I've seen it on the left, and I've seen it on the right. Both are wrong. Brian. Pointing at me. (laughs) Uh, And you you go to these rallies and... With your well, I go instigating. Not 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 to that many of them. You know, a lot of it. Uh, you we said were, you had the pride thing, and then you had the. What else did you have? I had a, I had a big pride flag, and yeah. then we'll also have a big like potly for legalization, potly, basically yeah. saying people shouldn't be locked did in cages. Did you wear cages. a pussy hat as well? I did not. Okay, no, I did well not. you could have. You're, you're the campaign manager for Cash Jackson. I'm the campaign that, manager okay. for the entire Libertarian ticket everybody here in Illinois. Note. Everybody. Okay. So uh, uh, no, the point is, and, and I'm not going looking for a fight. I'm not spitting on people and attacking them and name calling. I just walk around and they walk up to me and I say, "Let's have a discussion about yeah. this." And and what's funny is uh, uh, a lot of people are actually more civil in having those discussions than not. Uh, but to get back to what you're saying about the media um, and people that whip people up into these into these frenzies, uh, how many people would have really cared about plastic straws if this wasn't getting whipped up by the media? How many people would have really cared or made a big deal about about football players taking a knee if the media wasn't constantly uh, you know drilling it in? I think that those are those are instances that are used in order to whip people up. And, and to make money. And, and, and Yes, and to make money. And something I'll also mention about this, because you're talking about, would uh, you about also, Trump. Would you, would you also agree that then the cable networks, when they pick the people to be on their panels, oh, they, are, they are looking for people that are going to rile people up right. in their audience. And some of those people may go out and do stupid things, just like this bomber did. Bruce, you didn't bring me here for my good looks. <laughs> That's why we're all here at this table, to whip people up. But no, to, 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 to um, bring something ride up. home from your Uber. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike Pence did this a little while ago. And this is to say... Because uh, Mike Pence, I think, is almost on the same level as Donald Trump. He's a vice president. And uh, there was an issue not that long ago where he went to a football game. It was an NFL game. 
And it was a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of security and travel, all this detail to get him in there. And the entire reason he went, I mean, you, he did not go to watch a football game. He went to get angry at football players taking a knee and then making right, a point and right, leaving. Right. It's ridiculous. It was a waste of money. It was a giant PR stunt that didn't need to happen. And what that is a signal. They sending that out there. Didn't need to do it. Waste of time. Waste of money. He went and did it anyway. Okay, but somehow we need to start having adults acting more like adults. All right? And, we can't and, get that from the vice example, president. Earlier this year, well, your or point about Pence is well taken. Earlier this year when we were at the Oscars and we saw a, a national movie star stand up and use a four-letter word uh, on what to do to Trump, mm-hmm. it's unconscionable. All right? And we, we need a level of civility and, and, and everyone has to stop escalating this war because it's, it's, it will get out of control and uncontrollable totally. And, by and the we way, are screwed. And by the way, I, I, is this the Robert De Niro moment yeah, or someone else? Yeah, okay. yeah. This is Robert De Niro who got one of the packages last packages. week. But one thing is, you got to remember that. When he said that, when he said F the president or F Trump, there was a standing ovation right. for him. This was on national television. They, they bleeped out the word F. But there were millions of people at home watching that, not m- many of them probably standing themselves and applauding. But there's a lot of people that were at home watching that. They were repulsed by that comment. So that triggers them. That, I think that's one of the reasons why Robert De Niro was on this list. Because sometimes when you have a freedom of speech, you can say whatever you want. But when you say it, you got to be prepared for a consequence. It shouldn't be a consequence where you get killed, but there are consequences to your speech. We've been saying the same thing about the president tonight. There are consequences to your words. That goes for Donald Trump, and it also goes for Robert De Niro. On that note, Michael, Salim, Brian, Jennifer, thank you. If you look hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. 
just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGolfIslands.com. That's BradentonGolfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. 